Hola. Hello, world. I'm Eric Dye. I'm Jeremy Smith. And I'm Phil Schneider. And you're listening to Church Mag Podcast number 146. Going deep into the nerd stuff. We don't actually know what the topic is going to be yet because we already started the topic. That's part of their genius with calling it the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This week's podcast is brought to you by Finding Faith Inside the Big Blue Box, a Whovian's 30-day devotional. Written by our very own Phil Schneider, Phil uses Doctor Who as a backdrop for this 30-day devotional that will walk you through basic elements of your Christian faith in full Doctor Who fashion. You can purchase Finding Faith Inside the Big Blue Box on Amazon or directly from Church Mag Press at churchmag.press. That's churchmag.press. This week we accidentally a podcast and talk about Doctor Who, Star Wars, some branding, some Jesus juking, but mostly Doctor Who. If you'd like to join the conversation, ask a question, or just tease us, Use the CMAGCast hashtag or email us directly at podcast at churchmag. Oh, and when you get a chance, please leave us a review on iTunes. We really, really love them. Now, let's have some fun. Welcome to another Church Mag podcast. We don't actually know what the topic is going to be yet because we already started the topic and now we decided we should start the, the podcast so that we can talk about what we were talking about before. And if that confused you, that's okay. You can go back in time because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about going back in time, which is about Doctor Who. Phil, you said they're getting rid of Capaldi. Where have I been? I know I've been busy and crazy because we've been moving, you know, craziness. But seriously, what's going on with Doctor Who? Well, yeah, don't feel too bad. That news just came out like this week, I think uh, Wednesday or Thursday. But um, but basically, if they're for weeks, um, or I should say over the past few months, Capaldi's been saying, hey, look, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm excited to work with the new guy. Um, I'm very, you know, I'm very happy in the TARDIS. They get kind of cute little phrases. But um, no, it looks like after season 10, so this is, the, this is Stephen Moffat's last season, and this is um, uh, Pearl Mackey's first season as a companion. After this, it seems like um, the uh, the doctor will be stepping down. Um, you know, and have a new doctor. So, so then how many seasons did he go? So that would be two that he did or three? He did um, eight, nine, and he'll do ten. Well, that's not too bad, but it isn't real great either. So they're, they're, they're doing this based on the fact that they, have, that they don't feel like they have high enough ratings? Um, that is a big part of it. Um, so, so here's what's going on, is that you've got um, the ratings, I think based upon one article, the ratings have been cut in half. Um, since they're high with with um, Matt Smith, um, um, or perhaps Matt Smith, Matt Smith as he transitioned from David Tennant, um, and uh, they are you know kind of in a mad, the BBC you know, powerheads are kind of in a mad dash to um, to save the show, quote unquote. And the show still is success- successful. They're just trying to you know bring it back to where it was with the eye candy on board. I mean, a couple of things come to mind. Number one. I mean, they went with an older doctor, and that, I mean, personally, I enjoyed it, but then again, maybe it's because I'm older. I don't know. <clears throat> but um, there's that element going on. Number two, they, like you brought up before we started recording, there's writing to be considered. And number three, number three, is the fact that when you, at some point you peek out, like in life, in create like i don't in so many different things you peek out and then there's this strive to return back to 
those times, quote unquote. And sometimes that's the worst thing you can do. You just have to embrace kind of where you're at and where you're going and try to, you know, be the best where you're at there instead of being obsessed with, you know, going back to the way it was. Because if you think about it, no one is on top for that long forever. Well, there's, I, it's hard to say. There's, of course, there's the obvious push now for a female doctor, which I think I've expressed before will, will ruin the show. Not because of some sort of huge chauvinist, but because it overly complicates the dynamic. I'll explain that in a second. Um, the, I think, um, Chris Marshall, whom I don't, I don't know who that is. He's obviously a British star. He's leading some serious talks. And then there's another guy, um, Ben, um, gosh, what's his last name? What about the whole regeneration thing? Haven't, haven't, didn't, I mean, isn't that more complicated? Well, that's a great question. No, it's actually less complicated now because, so, um, Matt Smith's 11th doctor revealed kind of plot holishly because he revealed that he was out of regenerations, even though in the episode, um, and I'm going to go full on. Here we go. Great for this. So in the episode, let's kill Hitler. Um, River song regenerates from melody pond revolve from melody. Okay, did you, did you look this up or did you just no, know I, the title? Of I, it? I, I just know the title and let's kill Hitler melody. Um, let me I think we need to have a friend. moment of silence here for a second, <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> Okay, you you do you talk about this again, and you talk about this, Phil, and then we'll have like a little session, personal session for you afterwards. Yeah, Jeremy's <laughs> scribbling notes rapidly. So um, <laughs> this is undiagnosable right now. Yeah. So unless, unless kill Hitler, um, River Song poisons the doctor, and he tries. He walks into the TARDIS to try to you know, seek medical aid, and basically says, well, "All right, let's begin regeneration." And the TARDIS says, "You know, regenerations have been." Um, disabled because the toxin is working too fast, I guess, is the idea. But he asked for regeneration. He, he's like, well, let's go ahead and do that. So it seems like he thinks he's got one more generation. But in his final episode, he expresses that he knows he has no more regeneration. So either he lost count, it was just panicked in a moment of, of extreme distress, or they realized this is, this is a cooler plot now. We'll have a war doctor, and it's going to take a bit extra regeneration and whatnot. So, so Matt Smith's 11th doctor was asked actually the 13th doctor i guess you'd say because the war doctor was one and then you had or 13th regeneration because the war doctor was one and he counted matt smith's um um the the journey's end um regeneration as one of them too so um convoluted nonetheless but when that little burst of energy comes out this is some super spoilers here comes out in the time of <laughs> in the time of the doctor and it hits him then that is a new regeneration cycle not just one regeneration so he's got a whole other set of a dozen regenerations to go through okay 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 now what do you think of the possible female doctor which clearly they're not pursuing that by the way it sounds but um what did you think of that jeremy that idea well that's crystal clear thank you phil for completely clarifying all that <laughs> um I, i've got like wibbly wobblies everywhere um i you know you should see a doctor about that right i mean look at look at what's going on with the fact that we don't have a young sexy doctor that's running around saving young women in damsel in distress ratings drop so right um if we shift gears at all from the formula that makes success then dare we not um be happy with what we've got so right yeah i think i personally i personally would love it but 
See, I think he, was, he did a great job. He's doing a fantastic job as a doctor. The problem is twofold. Yes, the the BBC got attached to the Fairweather fans, the fans who were there not for the show, but for the cute guy driving the box. You know, that was part of the problem there. They got attached to those people. And all the hardcore fans knew our show is not going to hold those people because our show is not about that. But whatever. Um, but then two, Stephen Moffat's plots are have become increasingly complex and needlessly so. And then they're so complex, he can't handle it. So he, he leaves just innumerable plot holes like the angels take Manhattan. You know, Amy and Roy are sent back in time to to 1939 New York and the TARDIS can never go there again. Why can't it go to 1939 New Jersey? And they could taxi across you know, take a taxi and uh, then just, you know, pick them up and drive them back to New York, drive back to, to, to Jersey and fly home. You know, it's never explained. Yeah. Yeah. As as much as I kind of like some, you know, having each episode kind of have this, this thread of a, of a bigger plot line. At the same time, I kind of miss the episodes that would, that really could stand alone. That they didn't really pivot on anything else that were just, you know, fun. And then, you know, you can, you can go further from that and talk about the fact that, you know, Moffat's, he wrote some of the greatest, you know, one and two part episodes under Russell Davies, these incredible monsters. Like, you know, he wrote, he wrote Blink with Weeping Angels. He wrote Silence in the Library and the Forest of the Dead with the uh, and Narada. But then he, then the past few seasons have seen some pretty weak villains and monsters because he spends some, I think so much time crafting these over, overarching plots that make no sense. Yeah. Right. Especially, especially after onboarding a lot of, um, new fans that aren't nearly as dedicated or bought into, um, th- those aspects. Like it's hard saying. to watch them because you can, cause you watch one episode. So much of it's not about that episode. It's about the overall thing. So you can't watch them one at a time I mean, or, out of, or out of order. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can have the overarching and a good story every single time. Well, that's so true. wrong there. Yeah. Um, it's not like you get rid of Moffat's style just because it's not working. You can keep Moffat's style and still try to figure out why are some of these episodes not very good. So I don't like the throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Well, I agree. I think Russell Davies, had, Russell Davies had a much better flair for it. You think, think season one of the of New Who, and you had Bad Wolf being mentioned if you you know every episode, right. um, but yeah, it didn't it did not bleed over so much. And then in uh, season two, Torchwood is mentioned. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And then season three, it was Mr. Saxon. You know, and all these little these little threats are slowly being are being pulled forward towards something. And I Moffat's done it okay a few times. I've liked it in, in many instances. And I actually enjoyed season nine immensely. I thought it was great. With the themes of, of, of death and like, you know, with um Ishilda and who calls herself me at the end because she's, you know, she's the only one left. It was very, very interesting. But in the end, it, I could see how some fans would find it overly complex. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm back in the States, what's the best way for me to watch, to, to catch up and and watch when the new season starts? Um, BBC America, probably. Okay. All right. If you want to do it, if you want to do it legally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I like to keep. I like to be legal. <laughs> I'm a regular legal eagle. There you go. Go ahead and, and uh, drop some things in the chat, though, of non-legal things. You know, <laughs> just, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But seriously, um, all right. Well, that's the the four one one on that. Oh, hey, I 
I, I finally got to see Rogue One. Oh, I still haven't seen it yet. Oh. Yeah, I saw the the kids. The kids uh, got to see their. My youngest one's got to see their first movie theater movie. We went and did saw you, Rogue did One. you buy them popcorn and like one? Dad, this is huge. Yeah, I know. Suddenly, cost me fifteen dollars. Yeah, well, you know, it just dovetails with all the other jokes that we've had been go- that we've had over the last uh, few months. Of everything is really bigger in America, so. Um, the screen going deep into the nerd stuff. You guys just you just watched Rogue One. I'm going through the series that links between episode six and seven, the book series that they're putting out. Oh yeah, is it good? Um, it's not awful. Is it, is it a book series or graphic novel series? Book series. Okay, so cool I'm actually doing the audio version, which is fully produced. Weirdly enough. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, they. they Doctor Who does fully produced audio audio books as well, audio productions, mm-hmm. and I I've, I got a few off a of Humble Bumble, and I I couldn't get into them. I'm gonna try again, but I couldn't get into them. Now this is coming from the person that has read every single Star Wars book besides the new ones. Okay, good. Then let me ask you this, Jeremy, because I know I know for for you know years before. They the kind of the rule was in the literary space is that they had to have like a one character or a main character or something in a book that was part of another one. So that they were so every Star Wars novel and book that came out was somehow tied to another, and it had to be um, you know everything had to make sense. So you could read any and all Star Wars books, and it all came together, which was pretty awesome. So my question for you is. How do they handle it now that they have they they've they they've done episodes um, seven eight and nine? How's that working? Like, did all that old literary stuff just go out the window? Yep, they've uncanonized everything. Um, doesn't mean that they can't use it, but it's not canon anymore. So, which was really upsetting for a lot of the fans. Um, there's a couple of big um, series out there call it like a grand admiral thron who is this alien who is part of the empire which is very unusual because most of the time it's just humans but he was so intelligent and so dedicated to the empire um that he went up the ranks and is one of the big things and they actually they're adopting pieces of this from the original canon um that um emperor palpatine thought that there was big threats outside of the galaxy that they knew that he sent a huge, like a third of the entire empire fleet out into the unknown areas outside the galaxy and Emperor Thrawn went out with them. And then when they came back, the emperor was already dead. So he ends up revitalizing the entire empire and almost destroys the Republic because he's so smart, huge uh, character that they basically eliminated, but they're looking at bringing back possibly. Um, It's just a lot of, chaos i guess with that yeah that's that's where and this is kind of like goes back to doctor who too this is where when you take a very old series that's involved a lot of different creative minds and a lot of different medium when you try to inject new life i.e when you try to increase the bank balance you uh you're gonna create plot holes you're gonna, you're gonna throw away good content yeah absolutely I mean, and, so- and it's all a hundred percent in the books so it's not like um, they're fully referenced. They're not taking out different references from the movies themselves, but there's just so much extra stuff that you would have never thought, but there's like these little 
um, callbacks to the movies. Like whenever the emperor or whenever Vader was on one of the ships, they, he, he was talking to Boba Fett, but there was four other mercenaries on there as well. So there's the droid IG a eight. There's Dengar. There's, I can never say his name right, but there was the lizard guy. And so those bounty hunters each had a whole story and they had a whole book dedicated to, or a whole trilogy dedicated to the bounty hunter series. And they, it all stemmed from that one focus of the fact that there's bounty hunters there, but they threw that out with the cannon. Yeah. Well, like, it, but see, it goes in the movies too, though, Jeremy. Think, think back to the much maligned episode one. Okay, so um, and and a New Hope episode uh, four. Okay, I guess it, so. I'm trying to keep my mouth straight here. Um, Obi Wan talks about how the Force permeates all life, and it's this, and it's just a spiritual thing. Very, it's very Eastern, you know, transcendental kind of stuff. But then in, in episode one. I think this works because I think I, I at least understand it this way. The midi chlorines are tiny little, you know, symbiotic being, you know, creatures that live within, within us that help us to tap into the spiritual force. But by adding this biological element into it, it makes it far more scientific, less spiritual, and it kind of muddies the whole water. And that wouldn't have happened if they hadn't tried cashing in on the prequels. Right. Now, what's what's interesting in uh, the, the similarities between Doctor Who and Star Wars in in writing in, you know, s- s- you know, keeping within canon and making things make sense and this and that. It's it is difficult. But what's interesting, um, we, we just finally our whole family watched through all the Marvel movies and we finally got to to catch up with that. And now we're excited for Doctor Strange to come out on uh, DVD and when you watch them all in a row, you know, you, you pick up on more subtle subtleties than if you're watching them as they're released, right? And it is so amazing how well Marvel handled all, ha- have handled the, the entire thing. To have so many different movies, different focuses, and for it to just have that overarching things going on it's 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 just remarkable they've done a wonderful job this is why i think it was so easy for them to be sold to disney because that's disney's philosophy right um you have to stick to canon i mean look at the new beauty and the beast movie it deviates from the at least what they've shown in the trailers it deviates from the um, original almost none so they they want to keep that aspect of things um because they want to be making sure you keep the whole narrative and not confusing things. Well, part, part of that's too because because Beauty and the Beast is, is a story that Disney, Disney does not own. They only own their version of it. And so if the movie wants to be able to cash in and all the proprietary stuff, they have to keep that canon. Right. But they didn't have to. They could do Beauty and the Beast and still change things up. They could have, but it, you're you're right. It would have it would have cost them money because they wouldn't have got the same kind of cash in they would have gotten otherwise. Sure, that's what that's what, that's what well, Disney and Marvel okay, realized. That, like, that's true, but at the same time, there's this whole world of I want to tell my story my way. This. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I, I think that fans don't really want that. Fans want the nostalgia factor. Which is why Fuller House can, can can be such mediocre writing and still attract an audience. But see, the whole the way comic books have been developed over the years, they do have a slight advantage because we allow, you know, 
as as cam- as comic book geeks and semi comic book geeks, there's allowed to be different quote unquote universes or storylines to exist within within things. Like, was Spider Man bitten, or does he just have tech? You know what I mean? Like, there, there's different itinerations of of all these things, and so while the Marvel movies are staying on one uniform track and working together, it still sits independently from some of the different plot lines and and tracks that we've seen in the comic book world. That's part of their genius with calling it the Marvel cinematic universe. It's its own thing. You know, there are times when it'll it'll take cues from comic storylines, like civil war is a comic storyline. And so is it, so is infinity war to a certain extent, but they're going to take those cues from the comics, and they're going to reinterpret them for the big screen. That's what's smart. Um, I'm currently trying to, you know, as cheaply as possible, because I don't want to spend money on comic books right now, um, get copies of DC's Rebirth series, because they're, once again, recreating the DC universe and trying to follow along. Right, right. And see, that's that's the mistake that, like, Doctor Who and Star Wars have made in the past, is that they've really mixed their media and so that's why we have these problems. Yes. And mix the media with no one in charge of the overall canon. So the audio audiobooks and the graphic novels and whatnot they release don't always correspond to the major stories. Now, if we if we had to which we don't have to, but this came just came to mind to uh, church tech juke this, is that you know, when you're doing your when you're doing your branding and you're doing your marketing, you need to have someone watching the overarching because you you know you don't want your website doing one thing, you don't want your overheads doing another. You don't want to have your you know you know what I mean. You want to make sure that you have somebody monitoring your overarching story that your church is trying to tell. Well, how many people have tried to take the Christian story and make it their own interpretation of it? Right. I mean, we see that all every time, cult leader ever. <laughs> Absolutely. And probably a third of the pastors they've ever existed as well. Not to such heresy that's it's a cult, but they but we do it. And I would say it's probably more like ninety nine percent, but I think a lot of times we first of all we have that internal bias, but that's the beauty of scripture is it can fit all the different people. Um but at the same time we go too far with that and we um allow ourselves to get molded. And I think a lot of times it can, it can just be the cultural, which right now for our generation, the culture is technology and that technology morphs all of this. So we talked about that Instagram Bible. That's part of that um, reshaping of the <clears throat> reshaping of how we're telling the story. Well, but then also we get lost in the narrative and we just like every other writer, we um, try to say our own spin of the version. Wow. So, Church capital C. That's the that's what we have to be careful of. Well, it's part of the reason why churches lowercase C has so many problems sometimes because they're trying to deal with the fallout of capital church C when it makes moves that aren't gospel focused or more political focused. We would so, never do that. Yeah. So it's like you know there are times when I as a Christian have to defend the gospel to non Christians in light of some stupid non-gospel centered move that many other churches have made. Um, if you guys, have you guys listened to the recent relevant podcast? Um, no, the one from yesterday. No, yeah. I've not. 
Oh, it's not really spoilery, um, but it's an interesting conversation that they had. And I don't want to necessarily get political because we've already done a little bit of that before. But the idea that they were talking about was they had posted 11 scriptures on immigration. Oh, yeah. They're they're having a conversation about immigration. And um, one of their viewers had posted it on their Facebook wall. Um, just sharing because it's such a hotbed issue here in America about what immigration is. And so he posted it without any additional commentary. The article itself is 100% scripture, nothing else. And they verified that it's not taken out of context. So it's hermeneutically appropriate to share these verses how they did it. And um, this guy posted it and his mother, so he's like 20, 25 or something. And his mother read it, unfriended him or commented and said, you are completely against um what this is all about and how could you have these opinions and share something so radical and unfriended him. And that's how that their relationship was currently at the time that they did the recording, but it was just scripture. And in her mind, she has rewritten what scripture is so that it appeases her own viewpoints as opposed to um, where scripture is actually supposed to be leading us. Wow. That's amazing. So, you know, when it comes to scripture, you got to keep it canon, folks. You got to keep it canon. No matter the meat, no matter the, you know, the the medium, the message has to has to be congruent. Well, and you know, it's the point now where I saw someone post on Facebook on um Friday. You know, I I don't they said a lot of things that were stupid. But one of the things they said was they couldn't understand how Christians can attack a president who's so committed to the sanctity of life. And I didn't comment. My thought was that's only one part of the gospel. And let's be clear, sanctity of life is a very broad term, does not just count for those who live in the, or who live in the womb. And that's the problem with, with the church. In an age where we don't want to think deeply, we don't want to hold on to complex, overarching beliefs, we're anti-Stephen anti Moffat plots, if I can get back to that one there. <laughs> we want simple truths we can hold on to and politicize, and that's the problem. We don't want to actually understand scripture in nuance, our context. Yeah. And part of the problem is is that so much, unfortunately, a lot of our messaging and, and actions that we've decided has been based on the fact that we want good ratings, and we can't do it for ratings. We have we have a, a story that was already authored by someone else, God, and we have to stick to that, no matter you know no matter what you know whether or not we're hurt in the ratings department. Preach it, preach it, yeah. Yeah, what do you think of that, Phil, huh? What do you think of that analogy? What do you like that, huh? 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 My daughter walked in and I was distracted. What would you say? She walked in and scared the crap out of me because I see something moving in my left, my, my, my the corner of my eye as my daughter walking in. It's like Eric just slammed it in Phil's face, but Phil was completely turned around and drinking a soda. I, I felt like I did an awesome <laughs> dunk, you know, if, if we borrow mm-hmm. a basketball analogy. And I was like, hey, Phil, what do you think of that one? Wasn't that cool? And you were like, huh, what? I was distracted. I didn't Sorry. See <laughs> hey, Dad, look at me. Look at me, Dad. Look at me, Dad. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. What, what, son? What was that? What happened? I just I just dunked a basketball from the three-point line. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> it was wonderful. Yeah. Replay in heaven. I'll watch the replay in heaven, boy. Don't worry about it. Oh, shoot. We forgot to put the DVR in. <laughs> They're using DVR in heaven? Oh, wait. That's because we're always behind. 
you get to heaven like oh god can you please show my dad the, the back of the, the the review tape of that sweet dunk i did when i was 16 and guys like you know it's, a, it's the darndest thing we uh you know, we, we record those straight to the hard drive and uh that one crashed and the backup tape system you know <laughs> hard drive tapes <laughs> the backup tape system just it it we don't know what happened to it it just it just turned off but we might have it on beta and everyone's like you have those magnetic tape backup relays yeah i remember those yeah you're talking about yeah, yeah. Well, we used to use this when i worked at when i worked at the college for a tech support i'm like we use we use tape uh, have you guys do know they make gigantic hard drives now right? <laughs> they even make little ones that hold gigantic amounts of information yeah there comes a point where yeah, what ha- that should be a topic for another time. I'm going to tease a topic. That's what we're going to do. We should talk about old tech. Is this archives. going to be a loophole that we will forget to fill later? Oh, that's very funny. As long as we have fill, <laughs> we'll be able to fill it. Oh, uh, yeah. We hey-o. really should talk about that in the future. Like what to do with old. Like you know, there are churches that have closet oh. fulls of old tapes. I found that. Remember, remember, do you remember that? I found a box of old tapes in my church. Not a closet full. No, but it was like, it was still like 200 tapes. Wow. Hmm. They're, they're blank. They're unused. Oh, they were brand new. I'm talking about with those sermons on it. Oh, those? Yeah, like what do we do with all this old media? Like, Well, depending upon the pre- person who spoke it, you just throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we can talk about this on a future episode. Now, when we record next week... Are you going to be on, Jeremy? Because tomorrow, as we record this today, you're you're going in to have having a baby. It's true. Um, I guess we'll see. Let's plan for you. Any commitments? Let's plan for you not to be here, and then if you are here, it's a beautiful surprise. Yes. Ooh, yeah. I like that idea. Maybe we'll have Chris on to talk about that interview he did. Maybe we'll have a doctor on top of the delivery. Ooh, good idea. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought you meant the doctor. <laughs> Wait, Jeremy, Capaldi, is, 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 is Peter Capaldi your wife's OBGYN? <laughs> I forgot to tell you guys, yes. Send us an email, subscribe, and search for previous episodes of the Church Mag Podcast by visiting Church Mag. You'll find a link on the main menu. Go to churchm.ag. That's Church Mag, churchm.ag. And while you're hanging out on Church Mag, send us a message and subscribe to the Church Mag Podcast so you can receive an early release of the show every Friday. And as always, tell us that you love us by leaving a review on iTunes. Until next week. The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com. That's how we roll.